me out, coach. In my opinion, that sucks. We got our ass kicked. I'm not giving Jerry Jones my money. F*** that guy. All right, everybody, what's happening? This is the Philly Experience Podcast, and we are back with everybody today. Hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving break. I know us three did. Here with Tyre Hood, Tanner Gilmartin, as always. My turn! And guys, we're rolling with the birds today. We're rolling with the Sixers. Philly's involved as well. It's a ton to get to, and uh, we want to roll with the birds here, only because right when we think maybe, Maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe we can beat the Seattle Seahawks. Huh? Uh, they they just disappoint us again. Mm. Tanner and I, you know, uh. we stuck with them throughout the Browns game. We thought maybe they can pull it off. And I swear, each week, uh, myself, Tanner, T, you're you're pretty much out on this squad. Yeah, pretty Plus, much. I can't uh, blame I'm d- you. But I, I'm done. It, it, there is it. no recovery for me. All right, I'm sorry. There, there is you. no possible way that you can convince me that this team is going anywhere, that this team is worth a damn, that this team is worth taking up my Sundays, because frankly, it's not. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I feel like at this point, you know, going into that Seattle game, I figured maybe, who knows? You know, we heard things about Jalen Hurts getting involved. That obviously didn't happen, only three snaps the whole game. I thought maybe we could just – surprise them you know we, we we did hold russell wilson in mm. check for the most part i'll tell you who we didn't hold in check dk metcalf mm. and he went off 10 catches 177 yards against uh darius slave in my opinion part. that sucked it does suck it does suck but again you have to expect that from the top three receiver in the league and dk metcalf made us pay uh so t like we, we're on the show today we want to try to sit here we want to assess blame for what's going wrong this season um, and since that Super Bowl year, it's pretty much been going downhill. So with these remaining games left and the way the Giants are playing better football lately, uh, the Cowboys are pretty much out of it. But Washington, you could argue, is better than us as well. We're, we're sitting here looking towards the future and uh, what to do with this team going forward. We have the coach on the hot seat, probably the GM on the hot seat. Jeffrey Lurie uh, has a lot of decisions to make as far as being the leader of this group and Obviously, the quarterback has taken a lot of heat. So when you're placing blame around here and what to do moving forward, who gets the bulk of it? Who gets a little bit of it? Who gets, you know, where where does everything lie? Who gets the most? Who gets the least? I think there's I think the blame is needs to be equally put out um, between different factions. So obviously, I think the most blame and this is just my personal opinion. um, Most blame goes to the guy in our background. And that's Howie Roseman. All right. Like, I'm sorry. There is no way you can convince me that Howie Roseman should be allowed to come back and still continue to make moves on behalf of the Philadelphia Eagles. There is no way between the lack of drafting young talent that stays with the team and that becomes the core of the team and also going into free agent free agency consistently time and time again to, you know, bring in this talent, overpay them, and then keep them for longer than they're really supposed to, to evaluation of talent, obviously. Like, it, there is no – and then the, the contracts now that we're stuck with, like, there is no way that you can keep Howie Roseman. There is just no way. I'm sorry. You can't convince me to keep Howie Roseman at this point because – I place most of the blame on him because of his failure to bring in the the talent like I talked about for the for overlooking certain positions such as linebacker, which is completely asinine 
especially in this wide nine Jim Swartz defense where it requires linebackers or at least solid linebackers to be able to make up for the fact that the defensive line is consistently rushing for the quarterback. Like, I'm sorry. There, there is no possible way that you can convince me that Howie Roseman uh, doesn't deserve the boot. Now, is he going to get the boot? That's a good question because we've been through some bad years and Howie Roseman somehow or some way has been able to keep, um, keep his position. So I don't know, but Howie Roseman is the first on my list. All right, T. So staying on the Howie Roseman topic, I want to go to Tanner real fast here. And Tanner, your opinion on the Howie Roseman topic, too, because I want to come back to you in one second about Howie Roseman and the personnel. But Tanner, your thoughts on Howie Roseman, how much blame? It's an outrage. I I put a lot of, obviously, a lot of the the blame on Howie Roseman. T, you were preaching to the choir. Um, It's... The Eagles haven't hate drafted you. a Pro Bowl player since 2015. And that uh, 2015, I believe, and that Pro Bowl player was Carson Wentz. Um, and that's that it's given the situation we're in right now, that's just r- ridiculous. 2015, we're in 2020, going on 2021. And this team does not look uh, even like the team they were last year, even the bad team they were last year, they doubled up on that and they're even worse. Okay, we go back to the beginning of the year. Um, I think I had the Eagles winning the most games. I believe I I went with ten and six mm. for the overall record, and uh, I'll I'll take all that back. Yeah. But the man in yeah. charge has to be Howie Roseman. He's the guy that drafts the players. He puts this team together. He hasn't been able to come out and really back up why he's picked. Why he picked Jalen Hurts in the second round? There's not really an exact answer from him. We don't all this whole year. We have not gotten a real, authentic answer from Howie Roseman on why he truly believed that he should pick Jalen Hurts out of all the other players that were left in the second round. Given Carson Wentz, it's just it it makes it makes no sense to me. Um, uh, He he drafts. You know, obviously we haven't seen a lot from Jalen Rager over the um the, this season but he dressed Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson who if you have if you play fantasy football you just know that that is going even into fantasy football not a good choice but but you go and I watch the uh, you know we all watch the highlights every week during we're watching a game and then the highlights flash from another game and we see Justin Jefferson touchdown he gets over a hundred yards I am and you, pissed you, off. you just got to sit back and, and just stare at the wall because this is the guy who drafted JJ Ortega Whiteside, who, by the way, Max, I'm not going to forgive you in having the most confidence in JJ Ortega Whiteside when we drafted him, but it's but an outrage discussion. We draft him over DK Metcalf who showed us and taught us a lesson um, last game on, uh. on why, why you shouldn't have passed on on a guy like himself. And then for some reason, uh, we got this Alshon Jeffrey situation still. Why is Alshon Jeffrey still on this team? I understand he's hard to get rid of, but I mean, put him on the pup list or something. Like, why is he still playing? Why is he still playing? What's he here? Max Jalen hurts. Gives Alshon Jeffrey his first catch. Oh man. Like game Max. I agree 110% with every point that Tanner has made. I think that 
I'll, I've James never heard Tanner yell like this is incredible to me. <laughs> like I've never heard. Discussion. <laughs> and, uh, staying on this Howie Roseman topic, uh, I agree. I think he really hasn't given a real reason of why he drafted Jalen Hurts. There's a report that came out last week where he said that, or I should say, Jeffrey Lurie said that he strayed away from the draft board. He really wanted Jalen Hurts. Jeremy Chin was thought to be the highest rated player. He now is tearing it up with the uh, Carolina Panthers defense, but. Uh, Howie Roseman, I think everybody has their flaws, right? And I think Howie Roseman still has some good attributes to bring to this football organization. But like his what? problem is pro- – well, here's the thing. I think his cap his cap space management has been pretty solid over the years. I think it's important. I know we're a little, in a little bit of trouble uh, next year, but uh, throughout the, the whole Super Bowl run and over the past five to six years, he's done a pretty solid job. I know Chip Kelly was there for a, a hot minute, but – uh, overall, I think he did a pretty. He has done a pretty good job with cap. But bigger issue here is the personnel decisions and the lack of identifying talent. And I think that's where you have to come to the decision: Are you going to fire Howie? Are you going to keep him outright, or are you going to bring somebody in and maybe pull a Elton Brand, Daryl Morey situation, where you have maybe somebody who's really good at identifying talent, whoever that may be. I've heard rumors of Lewis Riddick who is part of the Monday Night Football booth, come in and help out. Or you, you can keep or, or tag along with Howie there and have the ad analytical side to it and kind of them work off of each other. Again, we haven't seen it work with two co-GMs. One of the reasons why Joe Douglas left is because he wanted his own general manager position. And he's drafted some talented players with the Jets. Obviously, they're in a full-on rebuild. But I think when you think of Howie Rose, you, you think of recency bias. I know that right now it's not looking too great. Um, and I think a lot of it's on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively coming into the season, the linebacking core was a huge issue. We circled that. I know in the beginning of the season, but you got to admit Alex Singleton bunch of low lives recently. And you also have TJ Edwards, who is almost our leading tackler every week. I know that's not saying much, but he has played pretty well. That's two guys. Darius Slay's held his own. Rodney McLeod is more of a leader in a locker room guy than he is you know, use talent wise on the football field. He's not, he's never going to be your best defensive player, but he's not bad. I think Jalen Mills has, I haven't really heard his name a lot. And I think that's a good thing. I think he's, he hasn't made a ton of flashy plays, but he also hasn't been called out as much as I thought he would be for. I'm sick of this. Effort. The guy I have an issue with is Avante Maddox, right? Al- alongside Darius Slay. I really think he should have been gone after the last season. I stated that after that, that, ne- that next episode, I stated that I said, Avante Maddox cannot play football in this league. He's not good. He's a rotational guy at best. And you put him on the outside well, with a well, starting position. Are you kidding me? He got torched by Devontae Adams. Well, Tanner, well first and foremost, he saw it firsthand. First, first and foremost, Max, firsthand. here's the thing with Devontae Maddox. Um, he played He's horrible. Terrible. He played horrible against the Seahawks, and I'm not going to doubt that. And he he has been horrible this 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 entire season. My thing with Maddox is he's a five nine corner who's playing outside corner, and he really should be in the slot. I've said that on many a times on Gridiron. He films. shouldn't be on the field, T. He at, should not be on the field at all. But at this point, like let's let's okay. Side note, sidetrack. Let's think about this cornerback uh, position for a minute. Outside of Darius Slay, who else do you have on this you don't have in the cornerback? I mean, listen, room? you have exactly. Roby Coleman. You have Roby Coleman, who's a pretty good slot corner, and that's where Matt. No, he has not. Roby Coleman has been horrible this season. Between the lack of effort and being out of position, I don't know what has happened to that man. Well, listen, I no, I'm not saying that Roby Coleman has been great, right? Roby Coleman has a better track record. I I guess I should have said coming into this season than Maddox did, which is why he earned that starting role in the slot. Maddox should be a slot corner. 
I mean, he's got speed. I'll give him that. And he's got grit. I mean, he plays hard every single play. I'll give him that. But he just doesn't have the skill level to keep up with those big receivers on the outside. And that's coaching. And that, honestly. um, I mean, if we're we're talking with D'Angelo Hall, I mean, we have no good cornerbacks on this team. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, D'Angelo Hall kind of ripped into Darius Slay. Um, it's ridiculous. The, uh, I, I think maybe it was yesterday or the other day calling him, uh, telling them that he was scared of DK Metcalf, which I can't completely disagree with. I mean, this is a guy I mentioned on the bird's nest, um, Darius Slay. He goes and he gets in a fight with DK Metcalf, one of the biggest guys on the field. Um, this guy, what, 6'4"? Um, yeah. I, I think he's 6'4". Six, yeah, 230 pounds. Yeah. Darius Slay is like um, – you know, he, he's five eleven, six foot, something like that. He's not a big guy, the biggest guy. Yeah. And it's just that that put us in. Um, I mentioned I'm not going to go into what I mentioned on the bird's nest, but I mean, he didn't let up any touchdowns, but it should have been a touchdown that uh, fell into Metcalf's hands. Um, I think it was in the I don't know what quarter of the game it was in now because I tried to erase all the memory out of that out of my head from that game. But um. Yeah, he he called. Um, there are some people calling Darius Slay burnt toast. I, I wouldn't go that no, far yet. He I is wouldn't not... go with Ronald Darby type uh, memes no. yet. But I just since I got the floor, I just want to go back into this team and how much of a nightmare they are. T. Right. This might be another rant. I I, I oh, don't boy. know yet. It, when it comes out, I'll, I'll you'll you'll be able to tell. But this team is a nightmare, a nightmare. T. And it's almost like Max. I know you're. You're a Godfather fan, uh, the movies. And it's once you think, you, you know, they pull you back in, but not even with winning games. Uh, it's just with like with yep. rumors and and the drama. And you got to see how, how's Boston Scott going to do with Miles Sanders out. Man, I don't care anymore because <laughs> this team sucks. Doug Peterson I doesn't want the best player in to run the ball. He put him in. He ran the ball, what, six times, 15 yep. yards, no touchdowns. Because that guy doesn't and know what the hell he's doing. And that also hurt my fantasy team, so I'm also sour about that. And then <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie, he doesn't even travel with the team. He's been traveling for years and years, every game. All right, he obviously goes to the home games. He didn't even go to that game in Cleveland. That just tells you how fed up he is with this team. And this offensive line, which goes back to Howie Roseman. Do we know it's uh, hard? This is their 10th different offensive line in 11 weeks. I know he can't control injuries. I know he's not there wrapping their ankles and, and all that. But what we do not have is really good depth. We're talking about a guy who played rugby, um, possibly going in there, taking over for our guy. Oh, maybe he'll play tight end. Maybe he'll play running back on a play. No. Nothing. We'll see him standing on the sideline the whole season, and nothing will happen. This team is ridiculous. Carson Wentz makes history, not on the good side of history. He's the first quarterback in 36 years to um, to throw 15 interceptions and get sacked 46 times. That goes back to the offensive line. Someone cut me off because I could just go on <laughs> and on all day. Well, you, you know, you make a ton of good points there. I think. I don't even know where to begin. I could Woo! go. I could. There's so many different places to go with this. Oh, I, I want to start with the offensive line position, and here's where I give the benefit <laughs> of the doubt to Howie and uh, Doug. I for, for in some way, shape, or form, oh, you man. had Brandon Books coming into the season as your superstar right guard, probably the best guard in the league. You could argue that back and forth, but you lose him. 
you lose Lane Johnson, who I'm not even going to say really played 100% all season. So he was basically gone the whole year in some sense because he'd come in for a few plays and then leave. So his ankle collapses. So you're losing your two all-pro right side of the offensive line, your best right tackle, your best tackle, and your best guard. And then Kelsey getting up there in age has still been putting in solid effort. But, again, he's been banged up, and I know he is. He doesn't show it. He still plays. 100, 100 straight starts. Exactly. Yeah, give the man credit. He deserves it. A Super Bowl champion and all. But, I mean, geez, when you when you lose your whole right side and then you have, say, Amalu who went out, he got hurt really early on in that Rams game. And he was out like six weeks. And you have Jason Peters who shouldn't even been on the team to begin with. Uh, like, 38 he demands years old. More money. He demands more money. Then that, that definitely fuels fire in a locker room. I'm out. We're, we're, we're on a podcast here. We're not behind closed doors, but you know that has to bring up some frustration in a locker room. And then you have Maialata, who steps in and plays well in the San Francisco 49er game. And then when Peters gets healthy, because you know he's going to get hurt, they, they bring him back and they put him at left tackle the first game back. He gets torched by the Cleveland yeah. Browns. And then, oh, let's move him to right guard. Like, that's going to help us at all. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't even be on how the about, yeah, How I'm about so- his nickname? How about his nickname, the bodyguard? You can't call yourself the bodyguard. I understand he he doesn't play the whole line, but you can't call yourself the bodyguard. Yeah, I'm quarterback so, I'm has sorry. been sacked forty five times. Yeah. I, I just that doesn't go for me. Yeah, I'm and sorry, but Jason about- J- Jason Peters has been has been playing like pure horse. Shit, all right, this year I, I can't yeah. defend that man. He should not have come back. He should not have a position right now anywhere on that offensive line. As a matter of fact, him coming back to the starting offensive um, lineup and playing that left tackle position for what was it two weeks like that was ridiculous because now you're moving Jordan Mailata who was getting into a rhythm I broke I broke him down too on some episodes of Gridiron Films and I pointed him out about how you know he he can improve on some things but at the same time I see a future with Jordan Mailata and then at the same time you bring him back Jordan Mailata's back on the sideline he plays so bad against the Cleveland Browns that you kind of bench him it's not really a benching but you're just like oh we're just gonna hold him out and just put my lot up in there like people wasn't gonna figure that out are you stinking yeah. kidding me right now yeah i i like what i saw out of Malata in his um in his comp in his he had an interview and he said that he was extremely upset seeing carson wentz get sacked so many times and, and you that's what to. i like to hear i like to hear accountability yeah saying that you know it's his fault and that's not what we're hearing or seeing from the coach of this team the quarterback of this team and you know many other guys who are just really involved with the fall of this team and one player we already mentioned him that does not deserve to go through this is jason kelsey all right he's already been ripped off of pro bowls a couple years in a row um he's not getting the attention he deserves i mean he's 33 years old lane johnson's 30 he got injured uh brandon brooks seems to get injured every season whether it's it's mentally or physically so you go into now i the only person really i want to see more out of next year on the line is jack driscoll because I feel like he was doing an all right job before. Um, I, I th- is he still injured? I'm not even yeah, sure. No, I don't still. think he's. No, I don't yeah. think he's injured. I think he's fine he, now. He, well, he hasn't played since what week week one. Yeah, and he actually he, he didn't do that bad of a job. Yeah, so yeah, I don't I, understand yeah. he why he's not in the game. But you look at all these old heads mm-hmm. on the offensive line, and what are we just going to wait until we're just you know Jason Kelsey's playing his 500th straight start? to uh to finally say you know in this draft i think we're going to focus on the line and you know another thing that this team's going to do to us is that they're going to start winning they're going to win like two games yo man and they're going to get us out of this top five draft pick and that's exactly what's going to happen 
Well, I'm, here's the I'm thing. fed up let, with it. Me... I'm still going to watch. Of course. Of course, you have to. And I think one name we still haven't mentioned on the show is Andre Dillard, who was supposed to step in here and play Ooh. left tackle every down for us. Who? Now, he's drafted in the first round. T, obviously, we know that. And the hell is that we, guy? We thought he was going to step in and play this season as the every down left tackle. You're bleeping kidding Matt me right Jason now. Peters is the depth guy. Or yeah. At first, obviously, he was supposed to play guard. But Are no, you kidding me? Floppy messes all over this this offensive line, the depth that we lack. But listen, coming into the season, and this is where I want to defend Howie, he had the line set. He had this, he had he had Dill, the first round pick. He had uh what do you have? Lane Johnson on the right side, Brandon Brooks, Salem Mala, who's actually pretty decent, Jason Kelsey. That's a solid offensive line. All that got, gets depleted. He drafts Prince Tega from Auburn, who we haven't seen. And we also draft Jack Driscoll, the other tackle. He drafts both tackles from Auburn. Jack Driscoll, like we've both mentioned or all three of us have mentioned he's a solid depth guy. So he had depth for the most part there. And then that whole thing gets wiped away. Now, when you don't have an offensive line, and I stand by this, everything else around you, your offense, your skill players, your quarterback, your running game, doesn't matter. You can't run the football with a bad offensive line. We see that in Dallas right now with Ezekiel Elliott having his worst season to date because that whole offensive line is just depleted. They lost their quarterback. Let's not even get into that. Then you have Miles Sanders who – on top of the fact that we have a bad offensive line, his coach doesn't want to run the football. So your whole running game's depleted. Then you ask your quarterback to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game, running for his life. He's he's made terrible throws. I'm not going to sit here and defend Wentz from what he's played this season. It's been terrible. But Rager can't get any separation. Fulgham, again, another coaching decision to start Alshon Jeffrey. Fulgham only got, what, 50% of the, the reps in – the game against Seattle because Alshon Jeffrey has to get incorporated for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh boy. So okay. My turn. My turn to go on another rant. Okay. These <laughs> damn wide receivers. I kid you not. This coaching staff irritates me with the way they rotate these wide receivers. Why the hell is Travis Fulcom not being featured more in the offense? That irritates me. Okay. For four weeks, four to five weeks when he was first starting. All right. He was one of the top five receivers. In the NFL in yardage, you had a consistent weapon with Carson Wentz for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz was confident in throwing to this man. Once Travis Fulcom got into a rhythm, he caught everything that came his way. And now you've you've basically put him on the bench for an aging wide receiver who doesn't give a damn about this team. For what? Are you kidding yeah, me right now? See, I, I got a I got a stat for you, T. I, I just looked it up because I was curious. Uh, Travis Fulgham, he in the last three weeks, he's got four catches for like around 30 yards. And that's just like you were saying, our top wide receiver. And he's just been kind of taken out the game plan. Now, I don't know whose decision that is. I think maybe Doug Peterson is trying to get fired at this point. Um, He just doesn't want to be involved with, um, with what's going on with this team. And do you guys even have faith in Jeffrey Lurie? that in the offseason he can fix this team? Or do we even need to look at Jeffrey Lurie to sell this team? Like, what what needs yeah, to be done? I don't know if I go that far. Yeah, I can't go that far. He agrees with me. No, but I can't I go think, that far. I, I think a lot of this – I think if you ask me personally, I think more blame needs to be put on the coach and bad luck than it does the quarterback in Carson Wentz. I think the injuries, the lack of talent on the outside. I think overall the defense, Howie Roseman built this team like he did the Super Bowl year. He got Hargrave and Barnett and then re-signed Brandon Graham. So there's depth there on the defensive line with Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox. That's what we had during the Super Bowl season. On top of that, we didn't have a number one corner in the Super Bowl year. He brings in Darius Slay in that trade. 
And over, I know we lost Malcolm Jenkins, but Ryan McLeod's been in the league long enough to kind of fill that role. Obviously, he lacks as much talent as Jenkins. See, here's the thing. Still. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the difference. Although we may not have had corners that year, here's the thing that made the difference with that defense. We had two decent linebackers, and Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendrick. All right, that at least would fill the gaps in the run game, and they were okay. They were decent in the passing game. That made up for it. You these damn linebackers ain't worth a damn for this yeah, team. Yeah, I don't know how much money or how much. Um, you know, stock I can put in Edwards and Singleton. I can't sit here and act like they're both Bobby Wagner. But over the last few games as the season has gone on, they definitely improved. Now, you need more than just two linebackers. I definitely agree with that. Michael Kendricks and Bradham that year were definitely much better for a longer stretch of time. But overall, if you look at the defense as a whole right now, you hold the Seattle Seahawks 20 points into the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson, who's been putting up ridiculous fantasy numbers, you have two of the best receivers in the league. They, only, they held Tyler Lockett to only three catches. I mean, and Chris Carson, a dynamic runner, probably top 10 back in the league coming back off an injury. He only got eight carries, but there wasn't too much damage done on the ground, right? The defense held their own. The offense is the issue. The depleted offensive line and the receivers on the outside, the weapons. Now, Zach Ertz has been gone a whole chunk of the season. We, we almost forget Jalen Rager was gone a good six weeks too. And then you had Dallas Goddard. Like, like Wentz favors the tight ends. We saw Richard Rodgers step up, and he's been our leading receiver throughout what? almost the whole stretch of games that Ertz has missed and got it even too, uh, you know, with big catches down the field for chunk yardage, he had a touchdown against the Seahawks. So I don't know if Wentz is favoring the tight ends, like he's done most of his career, or if the receivers just aren't talented enough to get open is the big question. Now, my question is in college football, you know, me being a big college football guy, the sec is just a more dominant conference than the big 12 is. You draft Justin Jefferson. It's a no-brainer pick. I don't care what the analytics say. You the the defenses you face in the SEC compared to the Big Twelve, the, it's it's such a big difference in talent. And yeah, okay, Jalen Rager put up a bunch of numbers against what Oklahoma State and Kansas, who's a basketball school. They shouldn't even be playing D one football. Let's be honest with ourselves. And then you have Justin Jefferson going up against Alabama one week. The next week they got to play that Auburn defense. It's ridiculous the amount of talent. South Carolina even who isn't having a great season this year, but still, there's just more talent in the SEC. So going forward and this draft coming up, I like our position here, and I agree with what Tanner says. You have to keep this top six pick. Don't go screwing that up because you have a stud corner, probably the best one in the whole draft, and Patrick Sertan from Alabama. I want at Maddox gone. I want Sertan plugged in. Then you have two great corners. You still have that rotation depth on the D-line. You could use linebacker, and again, if we hit on a linebacker in the third round, a.k.a. not take Davion Taylor, and we take somebody that's actually played football in college and high school, unlike Davion Taylor, we could have something there and accord defensive players. Offensively, you can't keep investing in offensive high picks like Dillard and Rager and then not panning out because eventually it catches up to you like it has done this season, right? No offensive line help for Wentz. And again, I know we wanted to see Hurts more like we thought we would, but at this point, how much blame now moving to Wentz instead of Roseman? How much blame you put on Wentz in all this situation? Wentz definitely takes a lot of blame in this because I, I, I'm listen. The last Gridiron Films episode that I did, which was released uh, Thursday, mm-hmm. it mostly featured offense. I have I think I only have one defensive play that I had a problem with, but the rest of it was offense. And I picked Carson Wentz apart. I picked apart. This play calling, the play designs. First off, not to defend Wentz, but these receivers aren't getting open. And that's period, point blank. These receivers aren't getting open. But then the times 
Then the times when Wentz has time in that pocket where he can sit back comfortably and look and scan the field, he does not let go of that football. He's hesitant, and I don't understand that. There's plenty of plays where the Seahawks were basically giving them free yardage. All right, I broke down this one play. I remember actually off the, off the top of my head. All right, nobody was covering the slot receiver. Nobody was covering Greg Ward. All right, that's a hot route waiting to happen. You hit Greg Ward right in stride, that's easily 10 plus yards um I, I, he's not seeing the field now don't get me wrong on that play he threw the dallas goddard that was the dallas goddard miss now he had beat bobby wagner off the line of scrimmage so that was fine i i i appreciate the fact that he tried to go deep um with dallas goddard i don't have a problem with it it was a good pass either way but he underthrew it and then the next time he tried to go to dallas goddard deep he missed him, and he overthrew it in the back corner of the end zone. Yep. Like, Carson Wentz is just up and down this season. And I'm sorry, as a coaching staff, what in the hell are you doing to help him out? How about calling some plays to help him out? Some short yardage plays, all right, to kind of get him into a rhythm, kind of get his confidence up. And for God's sake, please do something about his footwork, about his mechanics. Please do something. All right. You invested way too much money into this quarterback. We can't just get rid of him. Like a lot of the fans have been saying, you can't get rid of Carson Wentz. Listen, everybody under the sound of my voice, you're not getting rid of Carson Wentz for another two years. You're stuck with him. So guess what? You got to work with him, work on his mechanics. Max, I just want to add on to uh, the point you were saying about Richard Rogers and I'll let you go ahead. When you, when you mentioned Richard Rogers, I went, Got my calculator out and did some calculations. 15 catches, 246 yards, and two touchdowns in the last four weeks. That's more than Travis Fulgham. Um, and that that does say something about his connections with Wentz's connections with the tight end. And T, you mentioned putting better plays out there for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is sometimes he's the one changing the plays. Um, a lot of the times he he's over there. He don't like what he sees. He don't like what he, uh, what he hears in the huddle or from the coach in his headset. He it's his, it's his game. Uh, Doug Peterson has no control over this team anymore. Uh, we saw it with the press conference, uh, when he was asked on Wednesday, uh, who's your starting quarterback. And as of now, Carson Wentz, as of Wednesday, Carson Wentz. Okay. No duh. You're come on. You're practicing. It's Wednesday. We're talking about the game ahead. All right, and uh, it's just ridiculous. He he's going around the question, and then he finally answers. Oh yeah, fine. Uh, Carson Wentz is our quarterback, and it's just ridiculous. I want, I want answers for this team. I yep. mentioned Howie Roseman hasn't given us a clear answer on why Jalen Hurts was drafted. There was plenty of uh, J.K. Dobbins was still on. The, I just want to bring that up. J.K. Dobbins was yeah, still on the board. That, right? Yeah, was, yeah, Max. I I thought they were gonna go with J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, uh, J.K. That. all day. I thought that's what we were gonna exactly. hear him wearing Eagles jersey. But then they say Jalen Hurts, and you're just like, okay. I, obviously, I know who Jalen Hurts is, but that's ridiculous. Uh, and and then we, you know, we were having this problem where it was just Boston Scott when Miles Sanders was injured. It could have been J.K. Dobbins. Um, we see what he does with the Ravens. Yep. Uh, he's a great player. And, yeah, I mean, it's back and forth. I'm just going, it's got to be this guy behind us who is next out. And that's just, for me, you can go maybe another year with Doug Peterson if someone else is calling the offensive plays. See, that's the thing, though, Tanner. That's the whole thing. When when they fired Mike Groh, 
and they didn't hire an offensive coordinator, that means that the entire offense now falls square on the shoulders of Doug Peterson. Here's where the blame goes to him as well, okay? If you're the play designer, if you're the play caller, all right, that means that if the offense isn't working, you don't have a coordinator to blame it on. It falls square on your shoulders. This offense has, has looked like pure crap, all right, this season. That is on Doug Peterson. And for that reason alone, I don't have confidence in the fact of bringing him, potentially bringing him back next season because he, this offense hasn't looked good since Frank Reich left. We can all say that. All right. Ever yeah. since that, ever since Frank Reich was hired to be the coach of the Indianapolis coach, this offense has looked anemic. And the Colts have looked great, honestly, out there in Indianapolis. With, with Phillip Frank Rivers, Reich. who's been turning the ball over more and more. Yeah, I think I think to wrap it up here, and I know Doug Peterson definitely deserves his fair share of blame too. I think I want to put all the not all of the blame, but the most majority of it on Doug Peterson, this coaching staff, for many reasons. One, his in-game decision making, going forward for two-point conversions when you shouldn't, going forward on fourth down, fourth and four when you should just kick the field goal, challenging that DK Metcalf play, which we all knew was down by contact. It wasn't even close. You know, he just hoping for a spark that's not there. So I think the play calling is, has been terrible, right? Not using Jalen Rager to his strengths, um, not getting Wentz out of the pocket more and getting him on the run because when he runs and gets that up-tempo offense, I feel like there's more of a flow to the game. Uh, coaching specifically these players up and making them better. I haven't seen one player take a step forward in development this year, not one. And that's a big issue. Yeah, I just real quick before we pull the plugs on on the Eagles and, you know, could pull a plug on the Eagles, you know, for the rest of the season, but that, that's not going to happen. But I just want to bring up how Howie Roseman has tried to, you know, cover up his mistakes in the draft instead of drafting and maybe even another wide receiver in the second round. He drafts, obviously, Jalen Hurts. And then he tries to make up with it later in the draft, Hightower and Kez Watkins. Um, look where that's taken us so far. Um, they, they don't even really see the field. Hightower, I feel like maybe he can – he he can develop maybe into into some sort of player, more of a special teamer. But yeah, it's just he's he didn't make up for not drafting, and which really I go back to all the time, especially when I watch the Seahawks, is that mistake he made with not drafting DK Metcalf, and that haunts me to this day, and it, it'll yep. haunt this team because the Seahawks are going to be around for. I mean, Russell Wilson can play ten more years. Uh, by the way, he's not getting touched back there. He's not, you know, he, he's got a good line around him. Uh, different story for Carson Wentz. But uh, let's wrap it up by saying we would be, we'd be amiss to not mention uh, Will Parks uh, sliding up on our story. Man. And, um, after that is blasphemous. That Twitter, uh, that tweet that he posted on Twitter that said, it's not 2020, or it's, it's not, it's 2020, not 2017 right and for me personally that definitely had something to do with the eagles uh, i don't know how it couldn't have coincidentally maybe uh he was uh, waved he by the eagles that. and then goes to twitter <laughs> he apparently and debunked then, that <laughs> yeah yeah um but me personally i think that was a lot of shade thrown because obviously the eagles 2017 2018 season they win the super bowl and they are garbage in 2020 that's what he's saying he's going to another garbage team with the broncos who didn't have a quarterback. Uh, they got absolutely destroyed by the Saints. 
But Max, take us into some Sixers, man. I'm before, tired of talking so, about these so birds. Before we before we go into the birds and we get into the Sixers, I just want to say you you brought up the fact that D'Angelo said that these DBs weren't worth two cents. I got something to say to D'Angelo Hall. Um, Deshaun Jackson is still your daddy. So just to end it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, I think I think DK Metcalf really expected to play in Philly the way he talks about Philadelphia in press conferences. It almost is like he thought he was going to be in, in an Eagle uniform. And I think you have to give Jalen Hurts a shot moving forward. I think Wentz moving forward as your starting quarterback, I don't have any sort of regard as far as the thought process between Hurts being the starting quarterback of this Eagles moving forward. Carson Wentz, you're married to him for the next two years at the least. You start I hate Carson you. Wentz next season. But if this thing continues to wind downhill like it is and you lose again this upcoming weekend in Green Bay, you have to move on and start Hurts the rest of the season, in my opinion, just to see what you have in case he lights things up. You never know. But – with that being said, let's move on. The Sixers schedule came out today, and guys, this season coming up, I think, is one of the more exciting ones in recent memory. Finally, we get Brett Brown out of town. Doc Rivers. It's about in, damn time. More, more players, different players, I think, is the key there. Um, more shooters, which is what we needed, and another year, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together. So I think moving forward here, and it's coming up on us quickly here, December 23rd, we open up uh, against the Wizards at home, who just made a big splash traded John Wall in the first round for Russell Westbrook. I'd like to get your guys' opinion on that trade. But to start off here in this Sixers squad in this season, um, I want to start out with a virus-related question because I think a lot of travel is going to be done and there's still going to be West Coast, East Coast trips. How confident are you that this season is going to be completed? Not, not just, you know, their ups and downs could be, we know there's going to be positive tests, but do you think the NBA has a chance, kind of like the NFL, with scheduling rearrangements and things like that. Do you think there's going to be more headaches with the NBA maybe compared to the NFL? I think, I think in terms of that, um, well, first off, uh, kudos to the NBA for even creating the bubble in the beginning and being one of the mm -hmm. first uh, major sports to come back and, you know, do it, do it safely. Um, in terms of travel on the East and West coast, that I know there's been advances and I know they're saying that, you know, a vaccine is on the way and things of that nature. And that, and that's all fine, but you still run that risk. And as you can see, outbreaks can still happen. You know, players can get sloppy. We've seen that this year in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens, with the Denver Broncos, um, just to name a few, um, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, they were hit with a fine for, um, not doing what they were supposed to do. Um, so, I mean, things, things can still happen. Um, infections can still get out. So um, I, I kind of am worried a little bit because, you know, it, like I said, it, it's, it's still a lot. You, the vaccination still isn't, you know, released to the public yet. And, you know, you're doing a, yeah, the travel. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. I'm going to be honest. Be tough. I think it's going to be really tough. Tanner, how about you? There's no way that they play each, every one of those games. You can't play all the games without a bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, people are going to be seeing their family. Um, I mean, this season starts on Christmas. Uh, you, you, you'd be ignorant if you agree. Did yeah. not think that these players were weren't going to see their family. No, uh, some of the kids sport. are still going to school. Yeah, That's the thing. yeah, remember, exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's just unrealistic to think they're going to go. They're going to go back to the bubble. I know that they were thinking about just waiting to go back to the bubble until playoffs. Um, which obviously that would be more understandable because of all the players and the teams in this league, mm -hmm. but it's going to be, it's going to be hard. T mentioned the vaccine. 
Uh, regular people aren't going to start getting the vaccine until after summer, um, from what I from what I understand. But albeit these NBA players are not regular players, and they are at high risk considering playing a game with all these people uh, on the court every other day or every day in a row. Uh, so they might be getting their vaccines first. Um, we have yet to really know the exact facts. The UK, um, they're they're the fo- they're the first push out vaccines um, within the next day or so, I believe people are going to start getting vaccines. Um, but yeah, I, I just do not think that they're going to play all the games. There's no way. You need to have bubbles. I think uh, I thought there was going to be maybe a West coast bubble, East coast bubble. Um, it worked well with the Orlando sport resort because multiple courts, I know there'd be problems with practice times and when each team could practice because the fact that not every team went to the bubble, right. You know, it was only those playoff teams on each side. So It'll be interesting to see how it works, but now to on the court and about this Philadelphia 76ers team, so much speculation, so much excitement, I feel like, surrounding this just because everything's new, right? Brett Brown's not here, like I mentioned, and there's different players, different shooters. I think uh, Danny Green and, and Seth Curry is going to bring much-needed rotational depth to our core, our front or backcourt, I should say, and also Tyrese Maxey, which was a, a popular first-round pick, so... I think just just to leave the floor open and kind of talk about what you expect, at least early on with this team. I feel like, obviously, Tobias Harris is going to be involved in more pick and roll. Um, I know that the schedule is going to be an interesting thing, and I want to mention here real fast along those lines that there's going to be a back-to-back with a day break in between to limit the amount of travel. So what I mean by that is if we're playing the Washington Wizards um, not opening night, but just an example. We're playing the Washington Wizards in Washington. We would play them. I'm just going to throw a number out. Uh, December 26th, off day. The next day, December 28th, we play them again. So it'll be weird to see the adjustments because if you play a team one day and then you play them again two days later, depending on your adjustments in game, that is going to be more coaching involved than not because there's going to be have to be a ton of adjustments made not every team is just going to come out and blow another team out of the water, especially that second game of the back-to-backs. So I think this is going to be one of those interesting things where the season is going to continue and go on and on and move forward. But you have to be cautious of the fact that you can't just go out there and have LeBron and AD just expect them to win every single game. I think it's going to be more of a mental game this upcoming season. And it's only going to go to what about February in the March and kind of have uh, kind of have it wrap up there. But for your thoughts on this team, what are you just most excited for? What are, what are your uh, emotions going into the season? Are, are you excited in years past? I know, Tanner, you always say, you know, you've, you were on the bad wagon until they break our hearts in the playoffs. But what are your expectations here uh, as we move into this season? Well, Max, I'll tell you what. T is going to enjoy this because over the break, I had an epiphany. Mm. I, I, I was looking hear. back. And, yeah, I was just thinking about who's on this team. Mm -hmm. And Ben Simmons came to mind. And I was thinking maybe 15 years in the future, um, if if we're we're still on this planet um, and not on Mars or anything like that, and if they still have video recordings, um, they're going to see videos of Ben Simmons and maybe even headlines in the newspaper. Ben Simmons makes a three. And they're going to be like, wow, this guy must have sucked if, they, if he's on the headlines for making a three. Maybe he was a center or some old guy. Like that, dumbass. Why, why, why is everyone so excited about making a three? And then I hear Doc Rivers saying he's not worried that Ben Simmons cannot shoot the three 
T, why? Why is Doc Rivers saying that he's not worried? That's a that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. It's a red he's flag. Worried. Yeah, it just does not make sense. I like what Ben Simmons was saying, possibly because Doc Rivers said that he's not worried Ben Simmons cannot make a three. Um, ben Simmons went to the media and said that he liked Doc Rivers, said that he there's more accountability on this team because Doc Rivers brought his, you know, his son-in-law on the team and, and guys that he's familiar with, and the accountability is there. I'm just not understanding why Doc Rivers says he's not worried. I'm not the coach, so I don't have to worry about Ben Simmons shooting three. I can send T as many videos of Ben Simmons hitting the three and people freaking out as much as I want to because I'm not an NBA coach focused and getting paid on developing this team into a finals team. I just don't, I am don't understand. Off. I'm not behind what Doc Rivers said. Wow, Tanner is it, man. Tanner is in rare form today. <laughs> Jeez. He is in rare form Jeez. today. I agree. Tanner is on a tear today, but yeah, um... I, I'm upset. T. I am upset with all <laughs> hey, these teams. What do the Sixers have to do to get to the forefront and put this put the Eagles in the backseat? Well, first and foremost, um, that, that's going to take a lot. I can tell you that right now. For this to become a basketball town, it, it's going to take like uh, uh like a almost damn near a Chicago Bulls dynasty in order for that to happen. But I digress. But in terms of my excitement, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that is excited. Trust me. I am. It, it's a new beginning for the Philadelphia 76ers. You get a new coach. You get some more players up in there, more shooters for Joel Embiid yep. and Ben Simmons. And I, I really do appreciate that. However, at the same time, this is still Philadelphia and I don't feel any kind of confident with any type of Philadelphia team anymore. Like that's how much fatigue I have. Like uh, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Show me. I'm don't talk to yeah. me. Show me. I don't care yeah, what I mean, you say. We even have to deal with our college teams. T. Exactly. Uh, that, that football season was a joke. Oh gosh. Um, basketball is finally uh, tipping off. I, I know the the women's team fell to the rival Villanova Wildcats today. Mm. Um, but you know, basketball starting to come up for Temple, and that might be a focal point for Temple. But for Philly, talking about how how basketball is going to be the prominent sport in Philadelphia, that's a stretch because yeah. we're so devoted, such a devoted fan base to the mm. Philadelphia Eagles. We're known. Um, I mean, we're known throughout this whole country about how crazy we are for this team. Uh, yeah. But I, Max, I do like what what you're getting at and how this team can maybe outshine this Eagles. I hope they'd outshine this Eagles. I mean, that'd be absolutely upsetting if they didn't. You have players like Joel Embiid. Um, you gotta you got a Curry on the team now. Not it, not Steph Curry, but it, he's a Curry. It ain't, um, it ain't that ben hard to Simmons, outshine the Eagles. Yeah, and, and then. Going into the schedule, Max, he asked, which game are we looking forward to? I'm looking forward to this Brooklyn Nets game, January 7th. Um, you got Kevin Durant. Is Ben Simmons going to guard Kevin Durant? And then who's going to guard Kyrie? Who's guarding Kyrie? And then is James Harden going to be on this Brooklyn Nets team too? We don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions we have for this season going forward. And I don't think this team's going to make another uh, another big move until maybe the yeah. trade deadline. Yeah. yeah. I think James Harden is going to stay on the Rockets until then. Maybe that that's just for me personally. Yeah, I agree. I think with this Eagle season, you know, usually when things are good and dandy, you know, we, we look forward to the Sixers season starting up, but I think because there's so much frustration built in, we kind of block everything out. We're focused on the birds, but this, this Sixers season is approaching us quickly. And I think one thing that we don't know is the amount of, 
question marks that we have, and it could go either way. And I feel like that's what opens up such great opinions, such great uh, discussions to have, because we want to sit here and state things as facts. The only fact that we know is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are still together. Will Ben Simmons shoot? Will Embiid's diet change? Those are the same things we know. Other than that, personnel changes all over the place, new coach, Mm -hmm. so much speculation to see where this team goes moving forward. So again, that'll be interesting to see what Kevin Durant and what Kyrie do together there in Brooklyn. I don't think, and I agree, that James Harden will be a sixer at least anytime soon. I think that's a move you make in the offseason, but I didn't want to give up too much, uh, especially Simmons or Embiid, to get James Harden in a sixer uniform. All right, guys, before we wrap everything up here, I want to touch on this Phillies team, and they're even further out than the Sixers. But again, we always have to step to date because crap as Vargas. They they are in the back of our heads right now, but slowly but surely, spring training will be here. And I want to touch on T's favorite guy, Nick Hector Neres, coming oh, back gosh. to oh, the gosh. squad. Uh, and we agree to a contract with him, one-year deal, oh. and bring him back. Velasquez comes back. Segura in trade talks. David Hale Poor comes what? back. Tanner's favorite guy, Andrew Knapp, comes back. So Yeah, Max, it mention who's so not coming balls. back. How about that? Just make us more depressed. Who's not coming back? Well, let me let me tell you something right here. Is JT Romuto coming back? That's the big question. Uh, still unsigned. Oh, man, that's irritating. Still waiting for that big contract. And I hope we give it to him. It's possible. It's still up in the air. It's it's barely possible at, at this point. I, I mean, agree. you're talking about this Gene Segura move, and if that happens, you got. I don't know what's. I don't know what we're gonna get for Gene Segura. Right. Um, I don't know how that works. Um, but maybe that helps us a little bit more with money. And I think cap space is the big thing. Yeah, I think cap, if we yeah. were to get rid of Segura, we probably would resign. I was resign about to say, wait a minute, shirts. baseball doesn't have a cap. Remember that, boys. The, the longer this goes on, the likelihood of us getting JT back in a Philly uniform is decreasing. And at this point, if you had to give me a question right now, point blank today, is JT going to be back with the Phillies? I'm probably going to say no. Uh, it's is, an outrage. Give up Sir Anthony Dominguez for two years worth of JT, and we don't even make the playoffs. So that's kind of a, a GM problem. Oh, and it's by stupid. the way, we don't really have a GM right now. So a lot of yeah, uh, a lot of unanswered it. questions here. Yeah, and according I think to your back bo- Velasquez and Neris, according to your boss, um, it's kind of yeah. hard to bring a general manager in during these times. Well, you know what, John? I got to tell you, uh, Mr. Middleton, there, he he better you know, get Dave Dombrowski in here, former Red Sox general manager. That's my choice. Build a dynasty there. And back in 2013, raised a banner with the Red Sox. Uh, you need baseball people. I'm, I'm tired of this analytic thing. You know, we need baseball people in here. We brought in Joe Girardi, which was a great choice, but something that's always bothered me. And it's been in the back of my head, but we needed one win to get into the playoffs. We needed one anywhere along the lines. Our bullpen just completely destroyed us, and now we bring back Hector Neris and David Hale, who didn't help us one bit. Oh, no! You want to know another guy? We bring back Vince Velasquez. Why does he deserve another shot? He's been here how many years? That just means we're not going to do enough to to reassert this uh, starting rotation, Max, and that does not give me confidence. Um, What is going on back there? I understand. Maybe there's we do need to focus on this. For me personally, we need to focus on this JT Ramuto situation um, mm-hmm. ASAP. Yeah. Because that, for me, he's the top priority. I understand we suck at pitching. Our bullpen's awful. But to let a guy go like JT Ramuto, it just hurts. And it'll hurt Agreed. the whole season. Uh, that's taken away a star on the team. 
that's taken away, you know, a bat. And he's what the best catcher, one of the best catchers, best catcher, hands down, best catcher. It's ridiculous Um, in this league. And to see him walk away, that'll hurt. And to see him go on to like a team like the Mets, that'll hurt even more. Jeez. Yeah. I can't even imagine that. He's the number one priority to resign this offseason. We said it all before over the weeks, over the months prior to where we are now, I think Gene Segura, uh, if we, if I had to pick one, and, and I, I say that because I heard a rumor, Gene Segura to the Blue Jays, we clear cap space and bring back D.D. Gregorius. I'd be all for it. I'd rather have D.D. here than Gene Segura and uh, get J.T. for him to back in the Philly uniform. Now, bullpen's a whole other issue. We're going to be talking about this on the Philly Experience podcast throughout the offseason leading up to spring training. Obviously, the Eagles will be at the forefront over the next few weeks. But, again, we always like to they dive into to. Phillies and Sixers. So. I want to give a shout out here to Union on a season. I know there's people out there telling us they want some Union talk, and I'm going to give it to you right now. Uh, great regular season that they had. Uh, the Supporter Shield, uh, the best regular season team, but then they go into the playoffs, which I don't really like the rule there. It's a one and done thing. I mean, how do you you, you have a great regular season, and if you're not good on that one day, uh, you don't have a best two out of three, which I guess is in you know football too. If you don't play. To up to your level of talent, then you lose and you go home. But again, football is different because, especially in the first round, you know that the odds are stacked in the favor of the higher seed, home field advantage. Obviously, no fans this year, um, and they get beat at home by the New England Revolution. It wasn't really even close, uh, which is frustrating. But again, this is a team that grows their uh, talent, you know, from this area. You know, and they don't. Once the problem is, and here's a, a note to add: once they get. Uh, some really good players in here. They like to go overseas because obviously, you know, over in the UK and things like that, that's where the money is in the sport of soccer. Ooh, yeah. Overall, it was an interesting, fun season. I liked how the MLS did it as well, actually having their own bubble down there in Florida. And I think that worked out pretty well. It was definitely entertaining to watch. I know the union soccer isn't uh, number one, two or three here in the city of Philadelphia, but for those union people out there watching, that's for you right there. And they'll be back next season. I'm sure. Uh, with that T, let's uh, let's shut it down. All right, guys, you guys missed any of this very explosive episode of the Philly Experience podcast? You can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, including YouTube. Uh man, we got to stop watching the Eagles if this is if this is how we're going to react to these games. Like seriously, like we the Eagles we, get a we, W we in cannot. Green Bay. You heard it here first. Uh, again with this. Man. What? Again with this. Are you, you kidding a w me right in now, Green Max? Bay. Really? Hey, Max, are, are you They're serious right win. now? It's stupid. They're getting a win in Green Bay. All right. Oh, for, oh for three the past three weeks, and this guy wants to go again. What is wrong with you? So I'm not I a want winners. gambler, all right? I'm not. But I need an Eagles W. It's been too long. No, man. You need we not need to gamble. To, we need them to finish out losing. Let me tell you right, something. We need them to do. Let me tell you something. If we ever start well, a gambling thing on this show, we will not take Max Grizzola's, uh advice ever. Ever. That's until we're back here next week and you're talking about an Eagles victory. You're the only one positive about this. You got it. Give me a green right slot, Spider 2Y banana. What's going on, everybody? You piece of Swiss cheese. You're always on your back. We should move it on to sports. (laughs) I'm sick of this. He's not your cup of tea.